This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. And welcome to Switcher Fest. Yes, you are on Career Talk Series XM 130. And we are very, very excited to be kicking off a full six weeks of advice for every kind of career switcher out there. We're covering military to civilian transitions, retirement to twilight careers, returning to the workplace after an extended absence, and much, much more. Plus exciting giveaways, great guests to help you land that job you want. Why switcher fast on Career Talk? Well, Monster.com poll found that 64% of U.S. workers daydream about having a different job every second of every day. That's a lot. Switching is becoming the new normal, but hiring process haven't caught up, and many technology-based systems designed to deliver companies with the best employees like applicant tracking system tend to weed out switchers. So it's not just switchers. It could be anybody who has a perceived red flag, like gaps on your resume. Maybe you're lacking a college degree, or maybe, like we're talking about today, on Career Talk, those with a criminal history. So we're very excited about our six-week switcher fest here on SiriusXM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives Program here in Philadelphia. I'm a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and we have Dream Team in studio, Dion and Michelle, taking your calls right now. Today, we're very excited to be covering a switch topic that's new to Career Talk, returning to the workforce after incarceration. We talk about the importance of building brand a lot on Career Talk, but what if you were only known for the worst thing you've ever done? Today, we welcome Kat Hoke to the show, entrepreneur and big fan of Second Chances, Kat founded two successful and disruptive nonprofits in corrections, the Prison Entrepreneurship Program and Defy Ventures. In 14 years, 5,000 incarcerated people have graduated from these two programs, and they've reduced violence and produced industry-leading recidivism rates of less than 7%. Kat is the author of A Second Chance for You, For Me, and for the rest of us, a book which has new starts, forgiveness, and the power of possibility. And I will tell you, I could not put this book down once I started reading it. And we're so excited to have Kat on the show today. Kat, welcome to Career Talk. Thank you so much, Don. I'm glad to be here. So I think the first question in our listeners' mind might be, you know, why, why is this topic relevant to me? Well, if you don't have a criminal history, if you've never been arrested, it may not be directly relevant to you right now. Um, it, it does affect a lot more Americans than most of us think. So it may be relevant to one of your friends, a sibling, a loved one, your child. So the, the stats show that of American adults, 30% of us have criminal histories, which is shockingly high. And of men, 38% of white men have criminal histories and 49% of black men have criminal histories. And so it affects a huge percentage of our population and uh, should you get arrested or get a misdemeanor or a felony whether you do prison time or just spend the night in jail it could be something that you're going to have a hard time explaining to a potential employer Mm -hmm. yeah and those are those when I read those stats it was it was pretty eye-opening because I think a lot of us don't think about that necessarily but I think one of the things that we talked about when we were prepping for this show is is really thinking about 
at one point or time in our lives, were there things we've done that that could have put us on this path? And your book talks a lot about, you know, different things people have done and probably all of us have done that maybe we got away with and others didn't that put them on this path. So can you explain a little bit more about um, about that? Because I think that really honed in for me why this book is so applicable to all of us. Sure. I I think there are very few of us who have not done arrestable things in at some point in our lives. Um, some of us happen to look more arrestable than others in our country. One of the reasons that I do this work is because it's called the criminal justice sector, but I see injustice all the time. Um, if you are white and rich, your chance of buying justice or buying your way out of um, so being arrested or the charges that you have is much greater than if you are not white and if you don't have the economic resources. And so, like, a lot of studies show that white and black people or brown people use and sell drugs at roughly the same rates, but if you have a certain skin color, you're just more likely to get arrested. But for all of us, um, I, I don't know many people who haven't at some point in their lives gotten in a car and driven after having one too many drinks. Mm-hmm. And um, you could very easily end up in jail or in prison. You could wipe out an entire family and the process, so don't do that. But um, at, at some point in your life, you're likely to um, make some decisions that could be criminal. And, um, you know, I, I work in prison. I, don't, I, I have worked in jails. I've worked with men, women, and incarcerated youth. I focus predominantly on working with people who have committed really serious crimes, uh, but there are many people, uh, 10 million people cycle in and out of jails every single year. And so this affects a lot of people. Yep, you're listening to Career Talk. We're in our six-week switcher fest here on SiriusXM Channel 132, talking all about how to make a career switch from a variety of different situations. And we're very excited to have Kat Hoke here today talking about um, how individuals with a criminal history can turn that around and get a second chance and land in the job they want. But um, at 844-942-7866, of course, as always, if it's Thursday noon Eastern, we're taking calls live all hour long. So if you have a story you want to share, maybe you're an employer and you have questions about this, we want to hear from you, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Don Graham, and you can learn more information about our six-week switcher fest there. So I want to talk about this, Kat, because I, I, I actually wrote this down this morning. I was like, I dare people to read your book, A Second Chance, and not find several things that they can relate to, because the themes in it, whether you've been convicted of a crime or not are very, very relevant to all of us. Because, I mean, when we think about careers in general, I mean, it could be something that in your past you're carrying around with you, like you got fired or you have gaps on your resume. I mean, the the, the theme of shame comes through your book loud and clear. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I, that the voice of shame is different. That plays in each of our heads when we experience shame. But a lot of times the voice of shame says, I am not good enough, or I told you so. I knew I would fail. And if you walk into an interview and that's the voice playing in your head, and even if you're working very hard to submerge it, it's going to come across. You're going to have a hard time selling yourself to an employer. And a lot of times when we screw up as human beings, the most likely temptation that we're going to have at first is to lie about it because we think if the world knew me, if the world saw me as I am, they would not accept me. I am not acceptable if you 
really know who I am. And so, therefore, we spend a lot of our lives sometimes running from our own stories. And I encourage people to not do that, to do the opposite of that, to take ownership of who we are and to show it to people. I mean, practice. I, I, can, I can talk about how to speak about that. But um, if you hide in shame, I guess your shame won't be that hidden. Maybe what you did that is causing your shame might stay hidden. Uh, but it's probably going to take you out of many opportunities that you wish that you could have. And mm-hmm. I could go off about how to get rid of sh- get rid of shame, but I, tell yeah. me where you want. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a that's probably a whole other show in 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 and of itself. Yeah. But I, I think the reason I want to hone in on this topic is because again, it, there's a there's a broad range of things that people carry shame about and it could be again in the workplace maybe maybe you are harassed maybe you were were let go for you know layoff reasons reorganization maybe you were let go for a fireable cause maybe you just feel like you have imposter syndrome and and that you're in a position where people are going to find out that you're not as qualified or as skilled as as they think you are. I mean, all of these things are very real to all of us in the workplace at one point or time. And I think what message I took from your book, A Second Chance, Cat, was that once you you are honest with yourself about these things and are honest that, you know, hey, you know, I, I'm telling myself these messages and you can be honest with others. And that doesn't mean putting it out there on Twitter and saying, hey, I feel shame about these things. But but it does mean kind of having an honest conversation with yourself and realizing that it's one part of you and not all of you. You get so much more empowered in everything you do. And like you said, that shame is coming out in the actions you take, maybe some of the, the lies you tell yourself or others. And it's such a, a turn when when you can accept that and say this is this does not define me. Hey, you're listening to Sirius XM channel 132. This is Career Talk. We're in the kickoff of our six-week switcher fest, and we want to hear from you, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If you've been in a situation, maybe you've been laid off, maybe you have gaps in your resume, maybe you've been unemployed for a long period of time and you're you're having trouble getting traction in the workplace, we want to help you, 844-942-7866. Or maybe you've got advice for somebody who's been in this situation or you're in the situation right now and you want to do on-air live mock interviews. We always love doing that. We're here with Kat Hoke, the author of A Second Chance for You, for Me, and for the rest of us. And Kat, so you've, you've designed Defy Ventures. Um, can you just give us a slight background on that so that people can get some context about the work you're doing every day to um, help individuals in this population? Sure, yeah. I founded two nonprofit organizations, Prison Entrepreneurship Program and Defy Ventures, over the last 14 years. And I just started my third organization now called Hustle 2.0. And they're all all similar. They're all around the concept of transforming hustle. So many incarcerated people are natural-born hustlers who have been using their hustling skills, usually for the the endeavors that were modeled for them as children. Many of them were raised in difficult environments and started selling drugs. They were jumped in the gangs at an early age, and they used their entrepreneurial spirit to uh, to build up enterprises and illegal trades. And so when I was invited to prison the first time when I was 26, I asked myself the question, what would happen if these people were equipped to go legit with their skills and channel it into legal entrepreneurship. And as I started building these organizations, I realized that entrepreneurship is good, but they also need many other skills. And so 
the courses and the training that I've built over the past 14 years have included a lot more than just entrepreneurship. It's holistic and transformational, and it includes things like employment readiness and technology training and parenting and shame reduction and forgiveness and etiquette, a lot of character development, uh, so that they are equipped to re-enter society, and then when they get out, they know how to dress, they know how to shake a hand, they know how to look an employer in the eyes. And the programs that I've built have also depended on volunteer participation, and we've managed to bring very successful CEOs and investors into prison, and we run Shark Tank-style pitch competitions inside prison. And the two programs that I've started over the years have now recruited more than 7,000 volunteers, mostly executives and entrepreneurs, CEOs, to come into prison. And they provide mentoring and coaching so that when the guys and the the women as, as well, when they get out of prison, they're equipped to execute on their dreams, their legal dreams. And how are people selected for this program? Because you've got you've got amazing rates of success. Yeah, in- um, you know, I get asked all the time if we cherry pick or cream. So at, at PEP, we did interview people, but then I wanted at Defy, I wanted to start something that was less selective and could work with Defy. We had a hundred percent acceptance rate. If people filled out the application, we took them. And now at Hustle 2.0, same thing. Um, the program that I've just started now. My vision is to be able to serve anyone who's incarcerated in any prison or jail in America to provide them with the training. If they have the desire to, if they have a desire for a legal life, I want to be able to serve them. Hey, 844-942-7866. If you've wondered about this topic, if you have a loved one, a friend, or maybe you're in the situation where you are not finding people who are willing to take a second chance on you, be it due to a criminal history, due to getting fired, or something else in your life, you've tuned in to Sirius XM Channel 132 Career Talk on the right day because we are kicking off our six-week Switcher Fest with a very important topic, moving from incarceration to employment. And we have expert Kat Hoke on the show who has written the book A Second Chance for You, For Me, and For the Rest of Us. And regardless of whether this this issue touches you directly, I guarantee you're going to find something in this book that changes your life. A Second Chance, Cat Hoke, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We are taking your calls all hour long. Michelle and Dion are here in studio waiting to hear from you, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and you are in the middle of Switcher Fest. So, okay, um, let's talk a little bit about this because there's a, there's a we've seen this in the news a lot that there's been a study with SHRM, the Society of Human Resource Management and the Charles Koch Institute that has basically done all of these surveys with employers and HR professionals. And some of the stuff that has come out of that says 82% of managers and 67% of HR professionals feel that the quality of hire of workers with criminal records are higher or higher than people without records and that they'd be willing to hire them. Now, when I read this, I thought, well, you know what, Kat, it's really easy to write that in a survey, but are people doing this in practice? I think many people are scared off by the idea of hiring someone with a criminal history because all they have in their mind is like what the news shows us, like a person who's behind bars. It looks like they're like growling. They're they're depicted as being less than human. Mm -hmm. So for employers who are thinking about hiring someone with a criminal history, that's not very appealing. 
the reality is if you are willing to hire someone with a criminal history, and I would never tell an employer just hire anyone with a criminal history because not everyone coming out of prison wants to change their lives. But if you do give someone a second chance, if you become a second chance employer, the the person that you hire may feel that much more loyal and grateful to you because other people are not as likely to give them a second chance. And people in prison, especially, I work with people who have done a lot of time, like 10 to 20 years usually, and they're making 18 cents an hour inside prison. Many of the people I work with are not as formally educated. However, they are sharp and they are smart and they are as motivated as it gets. And so when they get out, a lot of times they're willing to take entry-level positions. Um, it's actually a positive that they are on parole or probation because as an employer you're getting free drug testing and accountability that way, and they have extra motivation not to revert back to their old lives. And they are willing to work so hard to prove themselves. So I can see how they absolutely would be higher-quality employees. I have hired, I personally hired so many people with criminal histories, and I also know our men and women who get employed, employed by other people and feel deeply committed to their employers for that second chance. Mm-hmm. Hey, you want to be a second chance employer, or maybe you are a second chance employer. You want to share your experience with us on Career Talk, 844-WARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Kat Hoke, the author of A Second Chance for You, For Me, and For the Rest of Us. And we are talking about how to switch from somebody who is incarcerated to being employed and Kat is giving a lot of great advice. And if you're an employer who's on shore or you're ready to have the foresight and take the step forward, we want to hear from you. 844-942-7866. So let's talk about this idea of ban the box laws. Um, tell us about that and, and how it's helping or not helping Kat. Yeah. So some states are more progressive and they have put into play ban the box, which is where on the first thing on your application or on a job application, they're not allowed to ask if you have a criminal history. They are allowed to run a background check, but only when they're ready to give you a job offer. And uh, they're not supposed to discriminate based on your criminal history so long as the crime doesn't directly apply to the person's job. So for example, if you uh, had a fraud charge and now you're applying to be a bank teller, they they could turn you down because you probably don't want somebody who has a history of stealing working in a bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they had a drug possession charge 20 years ago, uh, then you shouldn't discriminate against that person if they want a construction job because they're not related. Um, so ban the box is a great step in the, in the right direction. Unfortunately, we still see discrimination take place all the time. And we see discrimination taking place Uh, because of criminal histories, but we also see racial discrimination. There were studies that showed equally uh, equally paired, uh, two two people who had like roughly equal uh, degrees and experiences and um, were both clean-shaven. One was a white guy, one was a black guy. Um, And every time a white guy with a criminal history was more likely to get hired even than a black man without a criminal history. Wow. Yeah. And so, but I don't want to be painting too bleak of a picture here because if you have a criminal history and you're listening to this, 
what I've spent the last 14 years of my life doing is equipping people to overcome these barriers, these stereotypes, and this discrimination. You are still going to face it, but there are so many things that are in your control. I see guys get out of prison who literally have tattoos all over their heads, necks, and hands, still land employment within two weeks of getting released after having you know, a, a murder charge, and they're able to do it. So this depends on how you present yourself, how you tell your story, how you write your resume. Many things are in your control, and you are able to do it. So if you're listening and you, quote, only have a DUI, you're still perfectly capable of landing a job as well. There's no reason that your criminal history has to stop you. It just it will make life harder. Mm-hmm. Hey, eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Hey, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, "Wow, I have a DUI or two DUIs or something in my background," and I'm I'm concerned and I'm wanting to understand how do I present this on an application? How do I present a gap in my resume? because I was incarcerated to an employer. How do I do these things? You can call in. Hey, you can give a fake name. We are here to help you, and this will no doubt help other people. 844-942-7866. We're here with Kat Hoke, author of A Second Chance. So how can people find out what the laws are in their state? Is there a website, or is there somewhere they can go, Kat, to, to understand what is uh, admissible in the job application and what's I not. wish I had a catch-all website. I would just Google, like, employment laws or ban the box and then put in your state name, and I'm sure that you can find resources online. Yeah, perfect. Um, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Hey, you are listening to our six-week Switcher Fest. And guess what? As a thank you for being a loyal listener of Career Talk, for the duration of the six weeks of Switcher Fest through Thursday, November 8th, we are giving listeners an access code to get 50% off the audiobook version of Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. To redeem this listener-only deal, go to downpour.com, D-O-W-N-P-O-U-R.com, and enter code DPSWITCHERS at checkout. Hey, we are here with Kat Hoke, author of A Second Chance. Let's talk, Kat, about some of the challenges. So that that you you had mentioned when we spoke earlier that, I mean, and individuals in prison have no idea what even LinkedIn is. So so you're starting from really building up these these career skills. I mean, where where do you start in your program with this? Yeah, well, some people have never heard of LinkedIn or many, especially people who have been locked up for 10 or 20 years. They don't even have, they haven't had a Gmail account or haven't used the internet. And so we teach them, we start with basics and then we get into more experienced uh, training as well. But just because they don't have that life experience doesn't mean that they're not completely capable of getting there. And so they do. So even in prison where they don't have internet access and the training that I've provided, we give them a worksheet where they can fill out a LinkedIn profile there so that then when they get out, they can hit the ground running and they're ready to fill out their their LinkedIn profile. They're equipped with all the tools, the skills, the etiquette of employment and, and of interviewing is very important as well. And so I've been able to recruit an Emily Post etiquette instructor to teach on video, to teach these things on a really scalable basis. And you have a lot of um, corporate sponsorship helping individuals because obviously to do this, people need cell phones, people need access to Wi-Fi. I mean, so so talk to us about, I mean, the, the outpouring of support you're getting from, from yeah. companies. 
and CEOs. So, uh, at, at PEP, the Texas organization, and at Defy, we recruited so many CEOs, and they would come to prison, and they would realize that people in prison are not just their label, but they're human beings who are very worthy of a second chance, who take ownership of their past, and are, in fact, extremely employable and would add values to their value to their companies. And so over the years, I've formed so many corporate partnerships. Google was our very best corporate partner, but we had hundreds of corporate partnerships that would provide not only employment, but other wraparound solutions that would help to get people back on their feet. And I'm still doing that now uh, with Hustle 2.0 and bringing a lot of companies, organizations. I, I bring groups of CEOs into prison uh, so that they can decide that they want to have this competitive advantage because you know what, you're compet- if you're an employer, your competitors are probably not hiring from this talent pool. So I believe they represent America's most overlooked talent pool. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you're just tuning in you're to Career Talk Series XM 132, we are talking with Kat Hoke, author of A Second Chance for You, for me, and for the rest of us. And Kat is somebody you're really going to want to get to know. She is out there doing it, changing lives across the nation. And, you know, all the things you've done, Kat, I'm not even sure if you sleep. I was going to say when you sleep, but I'm, I'm quite certain you don't. And I'm good at sleeping now. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you're really tired at the end of the day. Um, but what you're doing is amazing because the thing that really inspires me about this is that you don't just change one person's life when you help somebody to, to um, you know, reduce recidivism. You help their family. You help, you know, the people that they get employed by. You help they come back and they're mentors to future participants in your Defy program. I mean, so it, you create this chain reaction. You open companies' eyes. I mean, companies like Google who are, who are donating, you know, tons of money and time to this effort because they see the value. And, and you are... Um, yeah, you're out there putting your money where your mouth is, and I think that's pretty amazing. If you haven't read Kat's book, A Second Chance for You, for me, and for the rest of us, trust me when I say this will not only inspire you, but there is going to be something in there that teaches you a lot about yourself and, and how you can feel empowered no matter what your past. So, Kat, how can people reach you after the show if they have more questions? They can email me at volunteer at hustle20.com. So it's volunteer at H-U-S-T-L-E, the number two, the number zero, dot com. Fantastic. Hey, you've got a question. You have a story. We want to hear from you. If it's noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we're here taking your calls at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And as a special part of Switcher Fest, for the next six weeks through November 8th, we are offering a 50% discount on the audiobook of Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success. If you go to downpour.com and put in the code DPSWITCHERS at checkout, you will get 50% off the list price. And we are going to go right to the phones with Susan in Ohio. Welcome to Career Talk, Susan. What's on your mind? Thank you. Um, So, Kat, it's ironic that you're talking about um, people who have been in prison because I actually used to send people to prison. I was a deputy DA um, for many years, was very successful, very highly regarded, and I committed an indiscretion involving some documents in court one day when I was really under the gun, under a lot of time pressure to get some things done. And when that was, and and I did it and actually never thought another, another thing of it. Um, and so about a month later, it was discovered that I had done that and I was fired immediately. 
which I do understand um, what it involves documents and things going on um, in the courtroom. But I was fired so quickly. Um, but then there was a subsequent um, criminal investigation by the state police and found to be no criminal wrongdoing from that. Um, I now live um, in another town, and it's been five years. And I have always, always wanted to go back to that line of work, to to prosecuting basically in the criminal realm. And by the way, I do have a great deal of empathy for the people um, that you are dealing with on a daily basis. And I do understand second chances a lot. I, however, don't seem to ever get one um, because of what I did and was a huge black mark on a very successful career. Now that I'm somewhere else, I'm wondering how I might present that if I want to get back into the same line of work prosecuting, how might I come to this new employer and say, I want to be a prosecutor for you, a deputy prosecutor for you, but I have this black mark from five years ago. And there's no way I could hide it. I mean, I know that my prior employer would, um, you know, I just don't want to lie about it. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't think I should. Um, is there any chance, I mean, it, this was my, I was just, you know, this was my calling, and now I feel like I will never be able to do it again. What do you suggest? That's a big question, and first I'll say that we need prosecutors who have empathy, too, so I encourage you to continue pursuing your calling. Um, whenever we screw up, the first temptation is to hide it, cover it, lie about it, minimize it, anything like that. I, I address it more in depth in my book, but here's what I'll tell you for now. I'm a big fan of Brene Brown, and she has this quote that says, you either walk inside your story and own it, or you stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. So what I teach is an upfront disclosure model. And when you go to an interview, it will feel like the scariest thing in the world. But I encourage the people that I serve, and I think this can apply to anyone who screwed up, to start off by selling yourself. Tell, the most commonly asked first interview question, I believe, is, so tell me about yourself. Start off on a high point, sell yourself with three to five tangible accomplishments or, or points of why, why you're, you would be a great fit. But then I encourage people immediately to share the downside. So immediately you would start talking about this incident that you had, and you would say, unfortunately, I've made some bad decisions. Unfortunately, I made some mistakes. And then you would explain it. And I encourage people to put it out there in like one line or two lines. And I go a lot more in depth in, in this on my book. Don't spend 30 minutes talking about it because otherwise the whole interview is going to be about your crap. And then talk mm -hmm. about, so you put, it, you put out what your mistake was in one or two lines. Then you talk about what you learned from it, how you've transformed, the action that you've taken to get back on your feet from there and why you still believe that you would add value to the employer, then you thank the employer for still considering you because you know that the employer has many chances, but if they take a chance on you, I promise you, blah, blah, fill in the blank on what your promise can be that, on how you'll be an awesome employee and how you've learned. The reason that I encourage people to do that literally in the first two minutes of the interview is because very few employers would be so uncourteous to throw you out of their office after two minutes. Usually, though, fear will stop us from an upfront disclosure model. And so the other, the other alternative that you have is to never bring it up in the interview because you're terrified. And then they find out when they're doing the reference check or the background check. 
and your resume and application will go into the trash. Um, or sometimes the employer will say, after a great interview, after 30 or 45 minutes, they'll say, so anything else I need to know? And then, bam, then you hit them right there with the bad news. Same thing. They'll be like, all right, peace out. I'll be calling. And they don't call. I'd rather have you talk about it in your own terms and to present your case for your, I made this mistake. I'm human. Here's my turnaround. And say that in 90 seconds and then say, I'm happy to just, I'm an open book. I'm happy to share anything with you about this. I would be so grateful for a second chance. And then the next 30 minutes of your res of your interview can be all you building on that and impressing them from there. And, and the employer, not every employer will respect your courage and your vulnerability, but someone will. And you have to keep going because you are going to get rejected because of your past. But you already know that. So just keep going and have activity goals for that. So make it a point to apply to five or 10 or 50 positions, every whatever is reasonable for you, and push yourself and keep plowing through the rejection and perfecting your message. But this 90-second, I call it a personal statement. Um, this statement that you say, you want to practice that a couple hundred times before you go into an interview and deliver that with confidence. It's one of the most important things that I've taught over the years. Fantastic advice, Kat. Susan, is that something that you, you think you can do? Yeah, that's fantastic. I really hadn't considered the um, the really quick get in there, get in, get out, and then talk about how I've learned from it and you know how I can move forward and still assist them. So that's a, that's a great way to address it. Um, and that, that's just so helpful. So thank you so much. Yeah. Best of luck to you, Susan. Thank you for giving a, us a call today. I know a lot of people have questions like this. So you've also helped many, many of our listeners here on Career Talk. Hey, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're talking to Kat Hoke, author of A Second Chance for You, for me, and for the rest of us. And Kat, let's start talking about more specifics like that, because I think that advice was spot on. And again, this might be something that could be helpful for you if you've you've gotten fired. Maybe you've had a long period of unemployment. I mean, here's the thing. Everybody has a red flag. Everybody has a red flag. And the employer will likely find out about it. Um, You want them to put it on the table. I mean, certainly there are ways to do it, as Kat mentioned. But if you try and hide it, everything that you say after that will be will be said with the concern and worry that this is going to come up. So think about how you want to address it. Think about how you want to position it and then move on. It's one piece of who you are. So let's talk about how do you craft a resume, Kat, if, you, if you've had employment gaps because you've been incarcerated? Yeah, so uh, the the answer to this depends on how much time you did. Like if you just did a night in jail, then it's not going to be a big deal. But say you've been out of the workforce for a while, and it might not just be because you were in jail or prison, but maybe you were off using drugs and you weren't working for a couple of years. Something that you can do at the bottom of your resume is write personal statement available to explain missing time in the workforce. Just put that at the bottom in my resume courses, I always teach you don't need to put references available upon request. Duh, everybody knows that. But the statement that I do encourage people to use is personal statement available to explain missing time in the workforce. Do not put the word jail or prison or anything like that anywhere on your resume. One thing that I teach in my resume class is the point of a resume is not to land a job. 
The point of a resume is to land an interview. The interview is to land the job. And so you don't need to spill your beans and all of your life on a resume. In person is where you're going to do the upfront disclosure and you're going to share about the bad decisions that you've made and take ownership. On your resume, you do not. If you've done a lot of time, you can legally, so never lie ever, period. Uh, But on your resume, you can legally write that you worked for the state of Pennsylvania or the state of California. If you if you worked in prison and you're working in the kitchen or waxing floors, you can say that your employer was a state because it really was. You were working for them. You may have gotten paid 18 cents an hour and you may have gotten paid nothing. So you can list state of California and then you can write what you did um, and you can include prison jobs, prison employment, even if it wasn't through a third-party outside employer, and put it on there. Um, A lot of people with criminal histories or people who have some employment gaps want to use the functional resume, and I personally am not a fan of the functional resume, and most employers are not either. There are two two general formats for resumes. There's chronological and then functional resumes. Chronological is where you list everything in order, starting with your most recent job all the way back to your least recent job. And uh, if you have an employment gap, that can seem more intimidating because you're going to have big gaps or you may have some gaps on it. But a functional resume, when I see one as an employer and when I talk to other employers, they're like, hmm, what is this person hiding? A functional resume is where you don't list out the stuff in chronological order. You You may or may not include dates and then you include like different jobs on there. But to me, it always raises suspicion. So I'd rather have the person use a chronological resume and then write personal statement available to explain missing time and workforce. Totally, and, um, totally agree. Yeah. T- totally so, agree with um, that. Um, we talk about that on Career Talk, a number of, uh, t- related to a number of switches, Kat, because I think you are absolutely right. There's been recent data that showed that hiring managers, HR professionals, I mean, immediately say red flag alert when they see those yep. functional resumes. So I, I completely agree with you. Hey, named one of Forbes 40 women over 40, 40 women to watch over 40. We're excited to have Kat Hoke on the show sharing insightful and very practical tips for successfully landing a great job after you've um, been convicted or not. I mean, you may have committed, uh, you know, an infraction that is not landed you in, um, you know, a prison. But there are so many things that we have in our background that an employer may look at as a red flag. And your book helps all of those. 844-942-7866. We're going to go to Junie in North Carolina. Junie, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Good uh, afternoon, and thank you for taking my call. Great show. Enjoy listening to you all the time. Thank you. Um, I currently am uh, in the state of North Carolina, and uh, reentry councils are seems to be kind of a uh, in vogue right now in trying to raise them up. What is Cat's experience with reentry councils, and uh, is there anything valuable that she can share if a county or or a state wanted to uh, start something like that? Uh, yeah, reentry councils. I mean, in in my opinion, the more the merrier. We just need more resources in our country devoted to this sector and to giving second chances because there isn't nearly enough. More people are starting to care. Can you, um, Junie? Can you can you give a quick background for those who don't know what a reentry council is? Um, a reentry council is a uh, kind of a state um, a state backed. 
collaboration of uh, community resources that uh, focus on on uh, anything that someone who is coming out of uh, incarceration may need to be you know adequately uh, and quickly uh, re-enter the workforce and re-enter society and so um, in in the state of North Carolina especially in the down east area uh, the reentry council here tries to immediately um, get a hold of the the person sometimes before they get out and then immediately after they get out take them through a process of um, encouragement uh, testing resume building uh, interview interview techniques and uh, it seems to be working but it, it it's it seems to work only if you have like a champion like a cat who really pulls the wagon up the hill it's not something natural to a community to uh, to say well you've served your time now welcome home mm-hmm. uh, and so we 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 struggle because we can give we give the person just everything they need from some t- in in my case there is a two days of encouragement. There's a Myers-Briggs review of your talents and skills. There's a resume uh, portion. Uh, then there is a um, then there is an another encouragement portion by taking you around the community to show you, you know what what employers are willing to to uh, bring you on. Nice. Uh, and then we also assign you a case manager that kind of keeps up with your needs, and we try to help as much as we can with uh, resources, uh, funding, educational opportunities to the community colleges. But it's like pulling, it's really pulling a wagon up the hill. And, and as one inmate said to us, I'm sorry, as one person who, was, who came out and, uh, and said, you know, I really need help. And if the community doesn't help me, you know, the drug dealer is always hiring. So right. how, do, how does a community compete adequately? And that's the frustration. I can hear some of that in Kat's uh, book and, and I just think it's absolutely wonderful, but it's one of the most challenging things that communities face right now. Is how do we get people who have paid their debt, who want to do better, how do we get them uh, back into the community and embrace them and help them move forward and be successful? Yeah, and 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 Junie, and help them stay there. And so that's that's a great question. So I mean, Kat, you you've done this for a long time. How do you get people to, um, you know, you talked about making eighteen cents in in uh, in jail, and coming out maybe if they they had been involved in drugs or other things that were pretty lucrative how do you get somebody to take a construction job or something else that is not as lucrative and stick with it well in in my experience people who do a fair amount of time they are sick and tired and one of the reasons that i respect them so much and love working with them is because if shown an alternative they're so hungry for it they really want it. They're tired of being counted six times a day and just sharing with a bunch of dudes and doing time. They hate prison. Nobody likes it. And uh, one of the biggest reasons for recidivism, and in our country, 76.6% of people go back behind bars within five years, nearly everybody. One of the biggest reasons for it, I believe, is because they, they lack a positive legal vision. They don't have people coming inside to paint the picture for what the alternatives are on the outside. And they don't have access to enough of these reentry councils. So reentry councils are excellent. All the stuff that you're, you're providing to them um, is, is great. Uh, they need mentoring. They need moral encouragement. They also need legal job opportunities that are opened up yeah. to them. So from, from a council standpoint, I would say if you can involve 
people from the private sector, if you can involve entrepreneurs and CEOs, and they don't have to be like big-time CEOs. They can be uh, a lot of times the best employers for the people that I work with are people who have companies that have 50 employees. And get the HR person or the CEO to come and join or to come speak at the reentry council because if you get, can get them involved and provide a legal pathway to people with criminal histories, then they're likely to stay out because, you know, they can have all the good intentions and desires in the world, but if they can't put money on the table, if they can't feed themselves and their kids, that just like any of us, they will be tempted to go back to the thing that they know. And mm-hmm. for many of the people that I work with, that is selling drugs or a gang life. Both. Yep. That is so important. Thank you, Junie, for all the work that you're doing and for bringing up yeah, this very, you. very important topic. Hey, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk. We are kicking off our six-week switcher fest, and we are doing that today with Kat Hoke, who is one of Forbes's 40 women to watch over 40. She has started three entrepreneurial ventures that are helping individuals across America and now Kenya to move from incarceration to employment. Employment eight four four nine four two seven eight six six and you know this is this is a really great point that that is um, you know coming up with all of these questions that we're getting is you know how do people stick how can people stay in um, you know moving forward and you know for people who are listening out there who maybe family members who have individuals who are currently serving time where can they find some of these programs in their state I know you're in I think you're in eleven states um, at this point. Uh, Defy uh, Ventures, maybe more. Well, the, Defy Defy currently serves inside prison in, I believe, it's six states, and then uh, prison entrepreneurship program in in Texas, so seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but the curriculum that I am developing right now for Hustle 2.0 will be available to anyone and any uh, nonprofit person or anyone who works inside or outside will be able to download the curriculum and to use it. I want it to be basically open source for the the basic curriculum, and then we'll have more advanced curriculum available for for purchase. But if you check back within the next year, just to be conservative, at hustle20.com, my website's not even quite up yet, but close. We're going to have a lot of content on there because I want to make it available so that if you work inside or or if you're outside or if you have a criminal history, you're going to be able to access this stuff for free. Awesome. 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132. We're going to go to Jay in Ohio. Jay, welcome to Career Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, good afternoon. Uh, Yes, my... um concern is, is, is if you're being released from prison, as you mentioned, you know, and you're trying to survive, uh, just how important and really critical it is to have a quick turnaround uh, with employment uh, so that they, you know, the recidivism is cut down. It's just, you know, that seems to be a, a common sense thing, but it's almost like it's somewhat uh, overlooked. So, yeah, I mean, it's immediate. I think you have to have something. And I think Kat talks about this in her book as well, Jay, that that one of the things that is so important is getting these corporate sponsors, getting people who can who can be mentors and and finding a way to get quickly moving into a situation where you can be earning money, paying for your your family, taking all of the resources that are available and and really diving right into that. Because if you as Kat, and I think this is one of the points that really just jumped out at me. I mean, it's something we would all do. We have children to take care of. We have, you know, 
expenses and needs, we're going to find a way to survive. That's what humans do. And without legal employment opportunities that fulfill that need, it's pretty easy for people to turn back to things that, you know, unfortunately will end them back up in prison. Jay, thank you so much for your comment. We really appreciate it on Career Talk, talking about this very important topic, incarceration to employment and all the great work that Kat Hoke is doing with Defy Ventures and her her other startups that she's been working on for a number of years. Hey, you've been listening to our six-week Switcher Fest kickoff here on SiriusXM Channel 132. We've been excited to have you on the show, Kat. Thank you so much for joining us um, today. Thank you to all of our listeners. If you want to get Kat's book, A Second Chance for You, for Me, and for the rest of us, I highly recommend that you do that. And we will see you next time on SiriusXM Channel 132. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 